The 16-17 playoffs belong to KD's Warriors. KD's the finals MVP. It's Steph City. KD's the best player on the team. LeBron's probably still the best player in the league. 17-18. KD's still a healthy warrior. He's still the finals MVP, and it's probably still LeBron's league. 18-19. Injuries killed the Dubs' three-peat bid. Toronto fans cheer until Drake knocks some sense into them. Raptors title, and Kawhi's probably the best player on the planet until we find out what's going to happen with KD's Achilles injury. 1920, Bedlam in the bubble. Oh, wait a second. A pasty Serbian man averages 24, 13, and 7 against Kawhi and PG's new look Clippers. Jamal Murray is a very bad man. Nuggets win in seven. No dream LA Subway series. Now that second year Laker LeBron James has his running mate in AD. LeBron gets ring number four. We are all witnesses. Put some respect on the king, etc. And it might be LeBron's league again. 2021, the coronation of Giannis. With a little help from Kyrie's ankle, Harden's hamstring, and if you ask AD, AD's groin. Which brings us to the 2021-22 playoffs. We were recording here on April 28, 2022. Drew Semler joined by my dear friend Max Klotz. How's it going? Glad to be here. We think we're going to be calling this the Pod Sham Pod, but who the hell knows? We just want an excuse to talk about basketball. The league is so full of talent. It's a lot of fun to watch. And our goal is to talk about what we think you want to hear, which is who are the guys right now? What does our top 10 look like? Donovan Mitchell looks a lot different now than he did a year ago. Trey Young just had a really rough series losing against the Heat. And we are just obsessed with the way that this this top list of guys continues to reshuffle year after year. So Max, I know you told me that you wrote down your 10. What does that top 10 list look like? Well, this whole kind of got its genesis where I was just really disagreeing with all these takes that Durant has just because he got swept, been wiped out of the top five. I feel like if you're probably the consensus number one player coming out of the playoffs last year, and honestly, probably the consensus number one player or top two at the very least going into this year's playoffs, I don't think you can lose that status just with a four game sweep. That being said, top 10 this year definitely looks a lot different from what my top 10 was last year. At the moment, I have a firm top tier of Giannis, who I think is number one without a doubt right now. And then I have Luka and Jokic at two and three. And honestly, I think it's kind of crazy that Luka's already might be the second best player in the NBA, given that he's 23 years old. So if you want, I can stop there. I kind of have a little bit of a break until the next tier starts. I'm glad we disagree. Uh, I don't think that one year should knock KD down as many spots as I see a lot of people knocking him down. But how can we possibly have him above Tatum going into next year, for instance, when you look at the West Coast, comparable situation for, for Jokic on kind of an undermanned Nuggets team where he gets one game against the Warriors, who seem to be the consensus pick, Devin Booker is playing tonight, but definitely a contender. Jokic gets them one game. It's a relatively competitive uh, last couple games of a five-game series. Jokic has MVP moments. He isn't silenced by the Warriors elite defenders in the way that Kevin Durant was silenced by mostly Jason Tatum, a little bit of Smart, a little bit of Jalen Brown. Can a guy who's in the very top tier get swept by what might be an all-time great defense in the Celtics, but 
like Stephen A has, has, has said continuously on ESPN, LeBron doesn't have that series. And when he does, it's 2011 against the Mavs and he already made it to the finals and we never let him hear the end of it anyway. How does, how does KD get away with this series in your eyes? First of all, I think the body of work is, is so much that you can't just, I, I don't care. It can't be four games and then he's out of the top five. And first of all, so it seems like you don't disagree much with my top three of Giannis, Luka, and Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. Based I, on the I, fact I, that you skipped to my number oh, no, four. Yeah. I, I ignored your Durant. top three for a reason. Yeah. I, I think Giannis, I was reluctant to give Giannis the top spot. He has earned it. Whether or not he's your MVP this year, I think that's his spot. Uh, two, I think I would still, I just, in my mind, Jokic has a little bit more playoff equity than Luka. And so I would probably have Jokic above Luka. I don't know if that order two and three really matters yeah. to you. I gave Luka the slight edge just because I feel like he's more scheme proof than Jokic is. Like, I don't think there's a team in the NBA where you can say that's a bad matchup for Luka. Whereas I think there are some teams where you can say that's a bad matchup for Jokic. Um, but going back to the question of how does he get the sweep off of his resume? I think we just have a tendency to knee jerk react too much to, to playoff results. Like I remember going back to the bubble when Milwaukee, I think they lost in five to Miami, but Giannis only played three of those games and they lost all three and many of them in, in kind of decisive fashion. And after that, it was like, Oh, we have to take some big takeaway from this. Giannis must not be this worthy two-time MVP that we thought he was. He must not, there were a lot of people move like putting him outside their top fives. And honestly, that's probably the reason why he didn't get a lot of traction for MVP last year, even though he was just as good as any of his MVP seasons. And then look what he did. He went out and he was the best player in the world in except for KD in last year's playoffs. And this year has probably been one of the two to three best players in the world in the regular season is I think going to be the best player in the playoffs. So and we did it also with LeBron, the 2019 season where he got hurt and he wasn't really himself. And then going into that next season, we were like, oh, is he even top five? He might be kind of on the downward. And then he's the best player in the league again in 2020. So, you know, guys have blips. Um, Durant, I think that Celtics team compared to your how you said Jokic wasn't really slowed down by the Warriors. Jokic is kind of... There's no one on the Warriors who's really that great at guarding Jokic. There's, yeah. I mean, there's not really anyone in the NBA who's very good at guarding Jokic. But uh, with a guy like Durant, um, he's not going to physically overpower you. It's just a question of him kind of getting to his spots and getting shots off. And Boston just had five guys on the court at a time they could throw at him and probably eight on the whole roster that they could throw at him to make him uncomfortable. And really the rest of the supporting cast on the nets just didn't do anything to relieve pressure from him. So I, for, I mean, I'm bumping him down from one. Cause I think if you're the best player in the world, that shouldn't happen to you. But at the same time, I'm going to need to see more from Tatum before I start sliding him over Durant and some of these other guys as well as if, as if I continue to go down this list, but for the moment I'm keeping him at four, just cause I think, on a per minute basis in the regular season, he was still one of the best players in the league. And it's just going to take more than four games to knock him out of that upper crust for me. He was so filthy this regular season that he played around 50 games and guys were still trying to talk themselves into a first team 
all NBA appearance form. I couldn't do it, but yeah, when, when, when Durant was healthy this year, put him up against anyone in the league, full disclosure, you know, I had the nets over the Celtics in round one, because I sort of thought the nets are bound to run out of steam, but I can live with picking the two most skilled scorers in NBA history against an unbelievably effective regular season Boston team. I just couldn't shake my memory of Kevin Durant in last year's playoffs. That was the Kevin Durant. We were so upset with him for going to the Warriors because we wanted to know what does it look like when Kevin Durant is playing against the Monstars and it's his team, it's his offense. And he was incredible for that. He was the best player in that series. He was better than Giannis in, in the Bucs series last year. And, you know, he played upwards of 40 minutes the last several games of this regular season. In hindsight, probably wasn't worth it for the Nets, but, you know, they were very close to, to missing the play-in and they needed to ensure their, their spot there. The eye test is what really frightened me. His, his stats won't look too horrendous from this Celtics series. I don't have his shooting numbers in front of me, but, but they're forgivable. He looked old. We've never exalted him for his handle. There's a ceiling on a seven-footer's handle. He has an amazing handle for one of them. But it looked a little bit too easy to stop for, for who we know he is. It just, it didn't, he didn't look like himself. Jason Tatum is an amazing defender. But that doesn't matter against a top 10 player of all time version of Kevin Durant, which is what prime Kevin Durant is. Um, yeah. So, you know, my Nets fan friends, they can hate on Steve Nash for running a lot of isolation basketball, giving Kevin Durant the ball behind the arc and just kind of telling him to figure out, figure it out. I think that those defenses of KD are, are valid. It still looked scary. He's 33 years old. And he didn't have the magic in, in his game, his ability to shoot over anyone. You said yourself at the beginning of the Boston series that defense isn't usually too much of a factor with Kevin Durant. It's, 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 does he have his touch tonight? Because he, as, as big as, as Jason Tatum is, he can shoot over Jason Tatum. Well, he got his shot blocked a couple of times, which was weird. He wasn't even able to kind of get the 38 and four that I expected him to get, even if his team was going to lose this series. There's something to be said for the counting stats that he wasn't able to accrue. I'm, I'm worried because he's 33. I think, you know, maybe, maybe the, the wear and tear and the post Achilles hangover is upon him. Credit to the Celtics. Incredible scheme. Yeah. I mean, I just think with these all-time great players, I'm going to need more than four games to to knock you down from the perch where you've been for like a decade plus. I'm going to need really, and I'm I'm always going to want to be too late rather than too early in moving yeah. these guys down my Fair. list. Um, and there is still a lot of doubt in my mind, and it looks crazy to put Durant to me under some of these guys, which – Maybe that's me, just me hanging on to kind of basketball as I've known it and uh, not being ready to move some of these guys up, but I'm just not ready to go there yet. I'm going to need to see another like season, half season of, or honestly, I'm going to need to see another playoffs of Durant looking vulnerable to, to really move him down the list. Cause I'm sure he'll be incredible in the regular season again. But Yeah. I, I kind of 
put Durant now in the Kawhi and LeBron category of like, you know, they got to be somewhere on your list or what are we doing? But I have them on, I'm on standby with those guys. Kawhi, yeah. can, Kawhi can come back next year and show me that he's Kawhi again. And he'll be in that top tier or very close to it. I can't have Durant in tier one and I can't have LeBron in tier one. Uh, I do because, not. So, you know, but, but to your point, Draymond Green was arguably the best defender in the league when he was healthy this year. His bread and butter isn't guarding guys like Nikola Jokic. It was a better matchup for Jokic than it was for Durant. The, the Celtics are one of the best equipped teams to slow down an incredibly skilled, physically imposing wing. And they could double with impunity because he was kicking to yes. Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton missing his first 10 free throws of game. What was that? Four. Kyrie Irving, who they just kind of put Marcus Smart on and after game one didn't make much of an impact on the series. Seth Curry on a bum ankle, Blake Griffin. Like these weren't guys who were striking fear into the heart yeah. of the defense. Quick side note, all you ingrates talking about how Draymond couldn't actually slow down Jokic and even Boogie to some extent. Screw off. Okay. Draymond gives away exactly what the Warriors want him to give away. He, as, as, as a defensive center, he mitigates the most important things and the Warriors will take the defensive series that Draymond just turned in against the Nuggets 10 out of 10 times. 100%. All right. Giannis, Luka, Jokic. Yep. You, Luka and Jokic interchangeable. Yep. Keep, going. Keep going. I have two slashes, which is not a full tier break, but a distinction from tier one, Durant. And then I have tier break into a second tier, which I found impossible to order. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the moment, I have it as five Embiid, six Tatum, seven Steph, eight LeBron. But honestly, still putting Tatum above Steph before I see a couple more playoff rounds out of him also kind of feels crazy to me. In putting him above LeBron, it's kind of one of those things where, like, if I want if I want a full regular season in playoffs, I'd probably take Tatum. But if I just have a game seven tonight that I need to win, I'm taking LeBron. I honestly might still be taking LeBron number one in that scenario, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Um, but I was sort of approaching this as sort of a balance between one game and totality of a season. So... Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll make my sort of final list before next year starts, so the there's going to be a lot of jockeying, I think, in this between what happens with if the Sixers blow this series against the Raptors, if uh, the Steph leads the Warriors to a title and is back to shooting forty three percent from three for the whole playoffs, if it turns out the Nets just weren't very good and the Bucks somehow beat the Celtics next round, um, coming up later, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of jockeying there. It's a little hard to know what to do with Embiid because you just have to factor in he's going to have some debilitating injury um, at some point, and you hope it's to his upper body non-shooting hand, like if it's going to happen. Uh, but right, right now we've got upper body shooting hand. Yes, so that's half of it because at least he could still move and play defense, but he does right. look like he's, he's jamming his thumb every time he catches it. What do you think of that? Five Embiid, six Tatum, seven Steph. Eight LeBron. Five Embiid, six Tatum, seven Steph, eight LeBron. Embiid at the Embiid one is tough. I, I had Embiid at eight and then I moved him up to five. Yeah. I didn't, I was yeah. like, this feels crazy. And it, and it and it's also 
this is a very sort of skits out activity to do in the midst of the playoffs. Yeah. Because I remember some, I don't know if I'd call them high moments or low moments at the end of 1920, where Jimmy Butler was in my top five. Yes. You know, but it really depends is our question tonight or in the playoff vacuum where everyone is healthy. Steph is a hard one for me. Yeah. Steph, depending on the night, can be anywhere between four and 12 on this list. Honestly, two and 12. Two two and 12. You know, last night, game five, the last game of the Nuggets series, his efficiency numbers just will never do him justice. At least the raw, you know, field goals made for field goals Mm. attempted. He reminds me a lot of sort of the the tears of a clown kid in the friend group who, you know, people love to say that kid won't shut up when we're hanging out. But when he mm. leaves the room, it gets a little quiet. I think of some of Steph's shots in that way. Someone has to take these shots. They're playing Draymond and GP2 at the same time and spacing isn't ideal. And someone has to be taking tough jumpers and tough jumpers from Stephen Curry are historically a great place to settle. It's really easy to get seduced by the two-way thing, you know, and recency bias would tell you that Jason Tatum belongs above Steph for the simple reason that he can mitigate the other team's apex predator, as Zach Lowe likes to call them. How much is it going to take for you? How much do you need to see from Tatum? Because, because if the Tatum we've seen so far in the playoffs, we get for another round or two, he's going to be above Embiid for me. Yeah, And that's partly because of the way I've seen the Raptors attack Embiid without much fear. I still believe in my heart of hearts that Embiid is a better defender than Nikola Jokic. But the gap does seem to shrink as the months roll on. Embiid's offense is spectacular. Tatum is a stronger two-way player right now. Yes, yeah. So how, how much Tatum do you need to see before he is really getting into that top seven and you feel good about it. If they roll through the bucks in pretty similar fashion to the way they rolled through the nets, because part of the, what I'm baking in here is I just think that they matched up really well with the nets. And I don't think the nets were like a super strong team. I picked the Celtics in seven before the series, but as the series wore on, it became clear that they could just, they just could take away everything the nets wanted to do really and get absolutely whatever they wanted against the Nets D. So if they roll through the box in similar fashion, then I think uh, regardless of what happens against presumably the heat, they're going to Tatum's going to be probably up in that top six or seven, pretty firmly for me, top six, let's say, but that's probably what I need to see. I need to see a run to the Eastern conference finals where he's looking like the guy he looked like in that Brooklyn series. Yeah. Giannis at age 27 or however old he is now is not getting swept by the Celtics and this year it's going to be a great series. I'm leaning toward the Celtics need to win this series for Jason Tatum to be like a consensus top five guy. It's hard to imagine another scenario, obviously case by case. Yeah. I can see the, the Celtics switchable athletic large defense, especially with Robert Williams getting healthier and the rim protection being even more solid than it was against Brooklyn. I can see Giannis running into some walls and there are no walls that Giannis can't break through. I do wonder 
if there are moments here where Giannis has to just start settling for that fadeaway 12 footer that sometimes works for him and sometimes doesn't, but it's certainly never the shot you want him leaning on. Yeah. Well, I certainly have a lot of thoughts on the, on how the Bucks and Celtics match up. I don't know if you want to get into that now or if let's you want do it. to, let's do it. All right. So obviously I was feeling a lot better before I found out Middleton's going to be out yeah. for from four to six weeks instead of two to three, because I was really banking on a grade one MCL, not a grade two. And, and, grade and one, by the way, what I, one of the things I love about the Celtics there and the whole, the whole Celtics culture that they have going right now is I know that Tatum Brown and smart are sad when they see that Chris Middleton is out for that series. I know that they want all the smoke from Milwaukee. Everyone loses with Chris Middleton out, but sorry, go on. Yeah. So I initially had bucks and six with a healthy Middleton before the playoffs started. Once I saw what the Celtics did to the nets, I amended that to bucks and seven. And now my head is obviously saying, it's looking more like Celtics in five or six. Cause I do think Middleton is that important. Yeah. They don't, they don't have enough guys who can create their own shot without him uh, against the Celtics defense. But I do think they will actually be able to slow down Boston. These games will be pretty uh, like tight defensive battles as opposed to what Brooklyn was doing. And I don't think Tatum, well, they won't have Tatum really on Giannis. I think it'll, that'll be a job for the Williamses and Horford and Tice. Tice is going to take probably five charges a game or try to take five charges a game. Uh, Marcus Smart will be flying in from the weak side, just like, going right at Giannis's knees with these charges. That was basically the bull strategy last night in game five was let's try to foul Giannis out on charges. They took so many and he had a lot of offensive fouls in that bull series. So that is something to watch. So yeah, schematically, I have some thoughts on, on how the bucks might look to attack Boston. I obviously, I, I want the bucks to win because I love Giannis and I'm pretty anti-Celtics, but I'm just going to, you know, keep that to myself. Yeah, the, the New England sports mafia could, it, this could become really hard for us. I mean, yeah. the, the the glory that they just experienced in that sort of 10 days of, of dominance over the Nets was a preview of just how dark things can get for us if we have to listen to <laughs> another few weeks of, of, of Simmons celebration. Bill, yeah. Bill, not Ben, by the way, listeners. Yes. So... It's going to be a really interesting series. I'm very curious to see what lineup the Bucks go with. Um, at, if they keep this lineup they've been rolling with from the Bulls series of the kind of three big look with Giannis, Portis, and Lopez out there. I think they'll probably start with that because that gives them A, probably their most shooting, and then B, uh, Boston runs a two big lineup as well. So I don't, like Tice isn't going to be taking advantage of Portis on the offensive end or Lopez. Honestly, I'd probably put Portis on Horford and Lopez on Tice so that Lopez can hang out closer to the rim more. That's going to be interesting to see what lineup they use. And they absolutely are going to need Drew Holiday to not have that six for 16, four for 15, seven for 20 type games. And no Middleton means a couple more possessions a game that Drew doesn't get that incredibly favorable. Like he gets to back down Peyton Pritchard gets a really nice leaner seven foot step away. There are more opportunities now for the Celtics to throw smart at Drew. And we've seen time and time again that, that Drew Holiday is 
super comfortable being the third scorer for this Bucks team. Yes. But when they ask him to take 20 shots in a game, the efficiency tends to wane. Yeah. And obviously he is going to be going a hundred miles per hour on defense as long as this series lives. Yeah. Any, any, any way that you can remove just a little bit of offensive burden from him, the offense seems to benefit. Yeah. So I think Lopez is going to need to have a big series on offense. When Giannis went down against the Hawks last year, Lopez was huge in pushing them over the edge into the finals. I think he's going to have to do something similar in this series with Middleton down and kind of rediscover his 20 point scorer ways. I think Bobby Portis is going to, you know, I mean, all the role players are going to have to step up scoring, but I think Lopez in particular. And then defensively, I'm really curious to see how the Bucks match up with the Celtics. Um, they sometimes put Drew just on the best perimeter option, but uh, it seems like they, they almost do the Patriots style where they put their shutdown corner on the, on the number two weapon to yeah. just take that guy out and then, We'll just use team concepts to try to contain number one. So the Bucs did this in the finals last year where they started with Drew on Booker for the first couple games primarily. And CP just kind of went off and he was kind of the straw that stirred the drink for that son's offense. But then once, and cause Booker kind of just gets his stuff on his own, whereas CP sets stuff up for everyone. Book, sorry, is perfectly comfortable they, in a, in a one man kitchen. Yeah. And they changed that as the series went on putting holiday more on Chris Paul right. than they had at the beginning and kind of taking that out and letting yeah. the rest of the team deal with Booker. So I think they might do something similar here where they put holiday on Brown and just try to take away the Celtics second option, particularly because holiday doesn't match up super well with Tatum just because of physical limitations. Yeah. Um, and then run through, Wes Matthews, it really sucks they don't have P.J. Tucker at this point because Tucker would be a great person to throw at uh, Tatum. I think they'll throw some Wes Matthews at him. Giannis will probably get some shots on him, although I think they'll probably like putting Giannis on either Smart or Tice and having him kind of roam around more. Baskets Just, just the- like the Celtics will maybe even try to get some minutes where Robert Williams isn't guarding Giannis so that Robert Williams can be in sort of his I'm with the corner shooter but I'm the strong safety ready to defend the rim at a moment's yeah. notice. The paint is going to be clogged in this series. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of bodies in the paint, which is going to be interesting. And for, for that reason also, I think that Giannis has to be used as a roller and posting up, catching the ball close to the basket, because if they just let him try to take it from the top of the key, those driving lanes aren't going to be there. And I think it could look a lot like that Miami series from the bubble where he was just kind of driving into three guys and, without really a plan. So hopefully they get him in, in those spots where a little bit more conducive to him being able to physically overpower the defense and get to his points in a way that Durant wasn't able to. That's how I think the Bucks can win. Now that they don't have Middleton, I'm no longer picking them to win. They'll be rooting for that outcome. I do think it'll be a good series still, even with Middleton out, because just these defenses are both so good. And it'll be interesting to see how Tatum handles the matchup with Giannis. I'm not sure how much the two of them are going to guard each other, but yeah, and we could get into one of those annoying Twitter situations where the Celtics take the lead in this series just because they have a stark talent advantage. And suddenly people are complaining that, that Giannis isn't guarding Tatum when really, yeah, that just might not be the most 
effective strategy for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, by the way, who historically adheres to the like, we're going to get back on defense, not try to crash the offensive boards too vociferously. I don't know if it's worth maybe reconsidering that philosophy just a bit. I think they should. Against a Celtics team that just has five dogs that crash the boards and they're such a great rebounding team. The Bucs are going to need to look for small wins in the margins like that. But as we've alluded to, it just seems like a lot to ask of guys like Brooke, Grayson Allen. They just probably won't have the juice to hang against this high octane two-way Celtics attack. Yeah. Well, the Bucs are going to need to manufacture extra possessions somehow. So, because I don't think if you give the Celtics and the Bucks the exact same amount of possessions, I think the Celtics probably win that battle, but the Bucks are going to have to find their way, whether that's through offensive rebounds, limiting their turnovers and forcing Boston turnovers. They're just going to have to, to will themselves to a few extra possessions a game where, which they can capitalize on. Cause I don't think in an even possession battle and certainly not in a, in a game where they're losing the possession battle. I don't trust the efficiency of their, of their offense to, down the Celtics, but if they can stop the Celtics in the half court, get out and run, they're deadly in transition. They might have a shot there. All right. A hypothetical Grizzlies Warriors series. Grizzlies Wolves. The series is not over. The Grizzlies are up one Oh, in the three game series as Ja put it. My guess is that the Grizzlies will close it out in six or seven. I believe that the Grizzlies match up better just in terms of raw strengths and weaknesses with the Warriors than they do the Wolves. The Warriors do what they do much better than Minnesota does what they do. What are your thoughts on a Memphis Golden State matchup? So I was actually, I actually had the pleasure of going to the first regular season matchup between the Warriors and Grizzlies, which went to overtime uh, and the Grizzlies won. It was one of the, one of the few home losses the Warriors had this year, I think at least before Steph got hurt. It was a loud, it was a loud home loss. Yes, it was. I do think that there's certain things about this Timberwolves team that pose problems for the Grizzlies where they don't really have the athleticism advantage. There's kind of the Adams issue where they can't play him against towns, but I don't think Adams will be really be able to play against golden state either. uh, Just because I don't think he can hold up against their, their constant motion and having him guard Draymond or Wiggins, it just doesn't seem like a great idea. So I think you're probably going to continue to see a lot of Jaron at the five, a lot of Clark, uh, some Tillman. Tillman actually played really well against the Warriors in the play-in game last year, I remember. So yeah. maybe he'll he'll reach back into that a little bit. I would certainly still pick the Warriors in the series. Just schematically, they'll be able to scheme up ways to, to make sure Jaw doesn't go off too well against them, even though they don't have great individual defenders against him. I think he'll probably see some Wiggins. He'll probably see some GP two. I think Gary Payton's going to have to have a big series. He might see some clay, although I think post Achilles clay doesn't stand as great a chance of, of staying in front of him as he did before. And then they'll just help a lot. And aside from Bain, the Grizzlies outside shooters haven't really that been that great this year, but I do think it's possible. They have, they have the ability to take advantage of the Warriors turnovers because they're great in transition. They will have an athletic advantage against the Warriors, which they don't have against the Timberwolves right now. So there might be some games where they just kind of impose their physical will on the Warriors. But I think the youth and an experience overall will probably be the bigger factors in not being able to slow down the Warriors kind of fast 
chaos. I think the Grizzlies in this Timberwolves series at times have kind of devolved into chaos a little bit, probably aided by the Timberwolves and the Warriors whole basically success over this run has been creating chaos and then leveraging that for their success where everyone's scrambling around and then suddenly clays wide open for a three pointer. And yeah, and that seems to happen five times a game. So I see your point. It's they match up probably better with the Warriors on paper than with the Timberwolves or the Warriors aren't as well equipped to take away some of their strengths as the Timberwolves are. I, I, but having said that, I still think Steph will be the best player in the series. And I don't think the Grizzlies will really be able to, to slow them down a ton. Attacking Steph and Clay will be less burdensome for Ja than so many minutes of Patrick Beverly clapping, telling you you're too small. Which, by the way, I was saying this to you before. We've had so many too smalls in the Wolves Grizzly series that I'm just so ready for a little guy like Jalen Brunson to freeze Rudy Gobert in the paint with a pump fake, bank a floater, and hit Rudy with a too big, too big. <laughs> just do like a lumbering down the court. Yeah. The Warriors are better than the Wolves at most things. I don't think that they will be as good as the Wolves at fouling out Jaron Jackson. I think you were sort of getting at this. Jaron Jackson actually fouled a lot less in the regular season when he got to play the four alongside Steven Adams. But I, I agree with you that Steven Adams is not going to be necessarily the solution for the, for the Grizzlies in this series. I, I just think that where Anthony Edwards can just relentlessly attack the paint and force Jaron into awkward contests, obviously the Warriors attack the rim effectively. I just, I, they're a little bit less athletic. To your point, this isn't the clay who could guard everyone on the Cavs except LeBron. He isn't quite that guy, but he he did a really effective job on Will Barton, who had a super regular season for the Nuggets. Will Barton fanboy here. I can see the Grizzlies doing a lot of the things that they rode in the regular season. I still picked the Warriors in seven before the playoffs. I picked Warriors in seven over the Grizzlies. Just because it's the playoffs doesn't mean the Grizzlies can't feast in transition, maximize their athleticism advantage that they have over the Warriors, make Clay and Steph look a little bit old on defense, tire Draymond with fierce rim attacks from Bain and Dylan Brooks. Even if the Warriors hold on as we expect they do and win this series, this hypothetical series, respect to Minnesota, it's going to be absolutely exhausting for the 30-something-year-old dynasty. Yeah, I just think after seeing Draymond hold up against Jokic relatively well, I'm not going to doubt his ability to to hold up against the Grizzlies yes. um, where he's going to be primarily in, in a help role and, yeah. and not really having to deal with any individual matchup. So, And we've also just seen a lot of moments in, in this Wolves-Grizzlies matchup where Ja or Bane, they get the switch onto Cat and their eyes just light up. Yeah. You got the switch onto Draymond, and it's going to be a not so fun six seconds, even if you're able to get a good look. That's where Draymond does his best work. Yeah, if I'm playing the Warriors, I don't want to get switched onto Draymond. I'd rather, if I like, if I'm being guarded by basically anyone else in that starting lineup except for Wiggins 
or even including Wiggins, maybe. I don't think I'd, I'd rather go against Draymond than any of them. Like if I've got Steph on me, I'd rather go against Steph. I've got Clay. Yeah. I'd rather go against Clay. And and Poole became a bit of an issue for them. And the, I mean, you, I saw Kerr lose a lot of faith in Poole defensively in the last couple of games of that Nuggets series. Yeah. Uh, the Nuggets certainly, Malone pinpointed Poole as one of the first guys they wanted to go after. I think they're probably going to end up bringing Poole off the bench as kind of a, um, hopefully a Manu style six man and keeping Looney in that starting lineup. Because I just think, even when they had the death lineup, like the original one, they didn't start it until games, game five of the finals, game yeah. six of the finals. That's something that they liked having as kind of in a, uh, an ace in the hole, something up their sleeve that they could turn to when they needed it. And maybe when it was going against a favorable lineup, for some reason, it doesn't quite have the same like sparkle and magic when it's, when it starts the game. So I, I think I'd like to see them, not I'd like to see them, but I expect them to, start Looney, probably bring Poole off the bench because I think it's it's good to have Wiggins in there. Dylan Brooks is going to say some really mean things to Andrew Wiggins in this series. He's going to hurt Andrew Wiggins' feelings. I think I'm giving that theoretical conversation way too much weight in my mind. You wouldn't start on Team Canada over me. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we're on the same page with that series. We're both taking the Warriors. Last thing I want to say as we close out this first episode, is I was watching last night game five as the Warriors put away the Murrayless Denver Nuggets, thinking that we are so blessed to have these physically imposing NBA superstars feasting on slow motion, fluffy five footers. Right now, both Luka and Jokic can rely on that weird sort of get into your body, anchor the defender to the ground, old man shots near the basket. I don't know whether to call them floaters, because if they are floaters, then I would say those two, Jokic and Doncic, have by far the best floater in the NBA. But like, it's I don't even know if it counts as a floater. It's like its own little type of shot. It's like a drop shot or something. They're weird sort of NBA 2K animations that never seem to go in in the in, in the metaverse. But apparently they go in in the world we live in. The league has never been this deep. I don't care what my dad says. Max, thank you for joining me. I hope we can keep doing this. This was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. This has been the Pod Sham Pod. Pod Sham Pod. Pray for Joel Embiid and the rights to Ricky Sanchez. That's all from us. Peace. See ya.